The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, here with my producer, Ricky Herrera. Good morning, Ricky. Good morning, Vic. How are you, man? Uh, I am good. I'm good. It's uh, it's another week, um, almost uh, officially summer. The weather has been kind of interesting this year. Uh, it gets hot and cool and hot and cool. I don't complain about the cool because uh, I prefer cool to hot. So, but uh, yeah, life in SoCal. Let's talk about some uh, some news items and headlines. You know, mass shootings are back. Uh, in the news, as they are every couple of weeks, unfortunately, tragically. And, uh, you know, the cycle continues. The band plays on. There's a mass shooting. Every politician comes out, uh, gives a great speech. A few days later, everyone forgets. And uh, uh, that's uh, it's over. In California, there have been at least seven mass shootings in 2023 so far, leaving 31 people dead and dozens injured. Um, California has a gun homicide rate of 3.9 deaths per 100,000 people, meaning it has the the 29th highest rate of gun homicide deaths in the U.S. Uh, This is according uh, to data compiled by Every Town for Gun Safety and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So, you know, we're we're not in a safe place um, in terms of you know, we, we lead the nation in, in great, good ways, many ways, but this is not one of them. We shouldn't be proud of this number. The band plays on, as I said. There was a, you know, after the Rob Elementary shoot, uh, school shooting in Texas, uh, where 19 kids were uh, killed, uh, Congress finally passed the first major gun safety legislation in 30 years, uh, and it was signed by President Biden in last year. But, you know, it's not nearly not enough. I mean, it's not nearly enough. There's there's a lot uh, to be done. Uh, I don't actually know where you stand with this, um, you know, what your views are, if you believe in any kind of gun control. Automatic weapons are banned in California, and, and I'm not quite up to speed on a lot of the other gun laws in other states, but I, I believe other states you're allowed to buy automatic weapons and yeah. so i mean all the, all that is pretty like straightforward I, I i believe in the right to bear arms but i think a lot of the rhetoric that these pro-gun lobbyists and politicians uh i think they kind of hide behind that a little bit if that makes sense yeah of course it um, makes sense it's a weird balance that has to come to some kind of resolution you know people who are pro gun control are not saying take everyone's guns away it's just a matter of restrictions and making it more difficult, stricter uh, background checks, and also not selling, as you said, automatic rifles and such that are completely unnecessary for civilians to have. We have a very powerful gun lobby, you know, constantly lobbying Congress and uh, preventing from any meaningful uh, legislation 
to go forward. So there you have it. So speaking of things banned, uh, let's talk about TikTok, which has been banned in Montana. Yeah, so the governor of Montana doesn't want TikTok to be a part of the the social media landscape. They've zoned in on TikTok. It did take this country by storm, in a sense, as opposed to some of the other social media platforms. The Chinese, the whole Chinese spying angle, do you think that has anything to do with it? That's one of the elements. And uh, Governor Greg uh, Gianforte signed the bill last Wednesday banning TikTok in the state. The governor tweeted that he has banned TikTok to protect Montanans from uh, personal and private data from the Chinese Communist Party. He's officially made Montana the first state to ban the application. And of course, um, there's already pushback, uh, not only from people who make a living on TikTok, but probably free speech people. Yeah, TikTok itself, they have their lawyers readied up. So the ban's going to take effect in January. And for violators, they can be looking at a fine of up to $10,000. With the way technology is right now in regards to VPNs and and third-party websites, I just really don't see how Montana is going to be able to do this. <laughs> I wonder if uh, if they know that and it's just symbolic. Teenagers, if they, I mean, not that it's only used by teenagers, but I guess anyone, if they want to use it, who's uh, so many nations have uh, have banned different apps, etc. But when when people want to use it, they find a way. So we'll see. It's an interesting first, um, first of its kind. Uh, we'll follow it. And uh... so uh, the lawmakers in uh, Montana's House of Representatives uh, voted to pass the bill, and it it won by a fifty-four to forty-three vote. So the the bill itself is the SB 419 bill. The people who are pushing back uh, claim that the app uh, empowers hundreds and thousands of people across the state. It lets them express themselves, lets them make a living, and it lets them allows them to find community. Put it in context, uh, after YouTube, TikTok is the second most popular social media network right now in terms of usage. And it's the fastest growing one. Yeah, I've never used it. It looks like it's fun. It looks like it's video based. Video is by far the number one way that we consume things, uh, not only as Americans, but I think uh, the world. We'll see, right? Yeah. So let's talk about something different. Uh, let's talk about Pride, which is uh, coming up. Uh, June is Pride Month. And Pride is uh, traditionally in the U.S. The Long Beach Pride opens Pride season, which just happened this past weekend in Long Beach. The first big Pride in SoCal. And uh, it's actually a really cool Pride because it's right on the beach. Um, it's kind of like a massive picnic. And then after Long Beach, you have L.A. Pride. And I'll talk about that. And all the different cities across the U.S., have pride celebrations every you know every single weekend until the first weekend of November when Palm Springs Pride closes this season. The reason they do it in November is it's the beginning of their high season when it's not too hot. And so uh, what I think some 
people might be confused about or maybe don't even know is, you know, L.A. has a whole bunch of prides or SoCal. But even L.A. pride, like, quote unquote, L.A. pride sort of divvied up into two prides a couple of years ago. So just to give you perspective, aside from Long Beach, we have prides in Santa Monica, Venice, there's San Gabriel Pride. This year is the um, sort of the first Pride, uh, the first Valley Pride, which will be in uh, Van Nuys. Um, then there's Orange County Pride and South Bay, etc. <clears throat> so LA Pride since 1970 had been uh, organized by Christopher Street West, the organization that has been producing Pride. And uh, a few years ago, they kind of had a falling out with the city of West Hollywood. LA Pride had been held uh, initially in Hollywood and then to in West Hollywood for years, decades. And then a few years ago, they had a falling out with the city of West Hollywood. So West Hollywood decided that they're going to have their own Pride and not have Christopher Street West organize their Pride or LA Pride in West Hollywood. So now the first weekend of June is West Hollywood Pride, which is, which is produced by the city. And then the second weekend of June is L.A. Pride, which is still organized by Christopher Street West, and it takes place in Hollywood and a few other locations. So just wanted to clarify that there are parades for both of them. There are many events uh, and you can go to their websites uh, to find out more. Uh, but the other thing is Pride again this year is going to be a little bittersweet because you know, there's this war on trans again. Uh, not that it had ended. I mean, Trump was sort of leading it. But now all this, these states sort of uh, just doing, just passing these laws, very anti-trans laws and such. So, you know, here we are, LGBTQ, uh, fighting the good fight, continue to do so. Um, and that's why pride is still important. Because uh, there are people who think, Oh, we're past that. We don't need them. Uh, but we do. We definitely need them. Uh, and they should happen. I'm not sure if that intertwined with uh, the dilemma with Christopher or anything like that. But when the Pride Parade went away because of COVID, I know a lot of people were bummed. Yeah, there there was some stuff brewing already. Um, you know, Pride brings in a lot of money for whatever city it's, you know, it's at whether it be West Hollywood, L.A., etc., Tens of thousands of people uh, travel to L.A. To, to participate in Pride. And that's a ton of business just for hospitality uh, and other industries. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was a big, you know, it was a bummer that they had to cancel Pride, but it was COVID, so it had to be done. Uh, but it's it's on. It's on, and uh, I'm actually excited about this year's first annual or inaugural, I should say, Valley Pride in Van Nuys. Uh, Senator Carolyn Menjavar is uh, spearheading it, uh, she and her staff. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It is, and I think these things are good for the, the community, and I hope they keep happening. So moving on, Vic, got an update for you. About who, I wonder? Uh, <laughs> I just gave it away because I said about who I didn't even say what. So remember a couple weeks ago, there was this uh, 
representative who was indicted on, well, I believe it was 13, 13 counts. It ranged from wire fraud to f- fraudulently containing COVID-19 unemployment benefits and uh, lying about finances and all that stuff. Well, this person who was uh, indicted, Representative George Santos, ah, he has named himself the treasurer of his campaign committee. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. If all else fails and people are just sort of monitoring you and auditing you to make sure that you're following the law, just keep saying, well, I'm that too. I'm the treasurer. Even though I have a disappearing treasurer, uh, it's me. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's just the bizarre circus. Obviously, we can move on from uh, for Mr. Santos out there. So everyone listening, we have a segment. We don't do it a lot. But today, we are doing it. Say what? 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 What the hell? So, sometimes you hear things that uh, you, it, it takes you a little bit of time to process what you've heard. I'll give you a little bit of background. So, uh, following uh, some uh, anti-Armenian uh, racist flyers that were posted in Beverly Hills and Glendale, a couple of months ago and a month ago, and other anti-Armenian uh, hate acts or incidents, the nonprofit organization that I founded, which is Truth and Accountability League, or TAL, uh, we held a town hall a couple of weeks ago in Glendale, and I invited um, six elected officials um, to be on this panel. It was Glendale Mayor Dan Brotman, uh, Glendale Police Chief, uh, the chief of staff from LA uh, DA's office, mayor of West Hollywood. It was uh, state commissioner Sam Kabushian and also the executive director of the LA County Commission on Human Relations to really gather these experts and talk about ways to uh, create awareness, educate uh, people in LA County, uh, empower them uh, on how to respond to not just hate crimes, but even hate incidents or hate speech. Um, LA County Commission on Human Relations has great program. It's called LA versus hate. And they have this, you know, fantastic service. It's 211. You can call 211 at any time and report such incidents, uh, even if it's just uh, defamation or someone uh, racially insulting you and such. So during this panel, which I moderated, I asked a sort of like what I consider question 101, it's like the most basic question you would ask the mayor of Glendale uh, about an incident that happened in Glendale. Posters all over town around schools and churches and other places calling for the extermination of Armenians and finishing the genocide that were all over the place. So my question to the mayor was, what has the city done so far? or plans to do, <laughs> actually, it wasn't my question. It was actually uh, from the audience. This question was uh, written on a card and submitted to me. And the the person said, you know, the city seems to be very complicit. So what's, what's being done to uh, create awareness and educate people? Why isn't there a task force or budget allocated for this? 
And I couldn't believe it because uh, Mayor Brotman was just, he just went off. He, he wouldn't answer the question. He was deflecting. And he started saying things like, well, we commemorate the Armenian genocide every year. <laughs> I thought, what? First of all, this panel is about all types of hate crimes, not just against Armenians, but <laughs> even if it was, uh, what does commemorating genocide have to do with combating hate incidents in the city of Glendale? And then he also talked about like sister city uh, program with Artsakh, again, completely irrelevant. And then he said, well, well, we don't even know who did it and stuff like that. And we've got to wait. And I said, it doesn't matter who it was that posted these posters. <laughs> in fact, we may never find out who it was because that's how some investigations are. Uh, the person who posted them was careful not to be caught. They were covered up and all of that. It doesn't matter who it was. What matters is what do we do as a city to be prepared and to deal with this and to process this and empower ourselves. And then he, we went on to say, oh yeah, you know, we're addressing these types of things and, and such. And, you know, even with the trans, you know, the anti-trans stuff, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna do these things. And then uh, I plan to do an op-ed. I thought, wow, what does any, any of that have to do with a city addressing hate incidents, you know, and, and, and overall, it's, uh, you know, it's great that you have a sister relationship with Artsakh, but that's completely, it's a completely different topic. And at some point, the two things that he said that really stood out, and a lot of people have uh, uh, had not been happy about this is, you know, he said, speaking about Glendale or Armenians, he thought we were talking about, which we were talking about all types of hate incidents. He said, uh, oh, that's too niche, meaning Armenians are too niche, which is really weird because in the city of Glendale, Armenians make up over 40% of the population. So they're the largest group in all of the city. So they're definitely not niche in Glendale. And then he said, uh, at some point he said, Armenians clawed themselves into politics. Now, can you imagine like saying that about another group, clawed themselves? I mean, it just sounds awful. You know, and I didn't press him on that and I didn't press him on the niche thing, uh, but I did press him on the readiness of the city or the city's lack of response to this. And I said, well, is there a, a task force? There, there's no uh, board. There's no board in terms of dealing with something like this. There's no commission, nothing. So essentially the city wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. He didn't have anything planned. In fact, uh, I got him connected with uh, the executive director of the LA County Commission on Human Relations uh, that night. And so, you know, can you imagine the third largest city in all of uh, LA County uh, being so unprepared and the mayor just dodging questions and uh, just deflecting and then saying these like insulting things about Armenians? You know, I'm just like still... Uh, in this sort of state of disbelief of what I actually heard from him that night. And just the, you could just feel the apathy. He was sitting next to me. You could feel the the complete apathy and how cavalier he was about the subject. You know, he said some like really shallow and transparent sort of 
pandering things. Oh, can you imagine Glendale without Armenians? You know, like, what does that mean? It's like saying sky is blue. Or he said, you know, I love this part. He said, he said, oh, yeah, there was a time when there was discrimination against Armenians and there's been some bad history and stuff like that. And I was like, Mayor Brotman, there's still some people in Glendale who are yet to accept that Armenians are here. So it's not something in the past. This this happens today. You know, it's uh, it's not something in the past. Uh, let's just be very honest about that. So there it is. There is my say what, you know, saying Armenians yeah. are too niche or they clawed uh, into politics. Just unbelievable. Yeah, thank you for that, Vic. Having watched this interaction uh, and listening to this interaction myself, that was deflection one. 101, what uh, Mayor Brotman did. It was a bizarre thing to watch. I, I still took the high road and I contacted him. Uh, I reached out to him and thanked him for being part of the panel, uh, emailed him uh, afterward, and uh, I didn't get a response. So I finally, after several emails, I texted him. And then finally, I received a response from him, uh, which again, he, he kind of like passed the buck uh, on the email. There you have it, politicians, you know. And uh, for anyone interested in watching Vic's Town Hall, go to the Truth and Accountability League website, truthandaccountabilityleague.org, and uh, you can watch uh, Mayor Brotman's deflection. That's right. All of it. Vic, we got to take a break. But uh, before we take a break, can you give us a little tease of your interview coming up? You spoke with uh, Dr. Laura Duncan you guys highlighted the unhoused and it's a very informational interview, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Dr. Laura Duncan is sort of one of the key people's stakeholders uh, when it comes to LA County's unhoused Asensia, for which she is the executive director of since 2018 is one of the outstanding uh, homeless services uh, organizations, very comprehensive. They're headquartered in Glendale, but they have operations all over LA. Uh, yeah, we had a very sort of uh, thorough uh, chat about, you know, many, many different topics surrounding this, about state of LA, causes of homelessness, uh, what is being done, what's being done by the mayor, and of course, Essencia, uh, their work, outreach, challenges, uh, and such. So it's it's a very um, enlightening uh, interview with uh, Dr. Laura Duncan, uh, and I hope people uh, find it as informative as I do because uh, you know this is a major issue for us in LA, and uh, here here we have someone who is uh, actively uh, contributing to the solution. Cool. Her interview is coming up next. Let's take a, a quick break, Vic. Hi, this is Leela Downs. You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, globally on kpfk.org. En una noche de luna, Naila lloraba ante mí. Donating your car or boat is an excellent way to help KPFK stay alive and on air. All you have to do is call 877-KPFK-AUTO. That's 877-KPFK-AUTO, and we'll take care of everything. The Blunt Post with Vic.
Since 2018, Dr. Laura Duncan has been the executive director of Ascensia, comprehensive homeless services organization with the mission, lifting people out of homelessness, one person, one family at a time. Ascensia headquartered in Glendale has grown almost 67% under Dr. Duncan's leadership and prompting the Glendale Chamber of Commerce to recognize her as woman of the year. Good morning, Laura. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's good to have you. I've been a fan of Asensia's work for a long time. You do a lot of great things in the in the community. Uh, of course, you're even though you're initially based in Glendale, but you've expanded quite a bit uh, recently, which we'll talk about. You know, your mission is basically lifting people uh, out of homelessness, one person, one family at a time. So I'd like to hear from you some highlights of what Essencia does, your work. Uh, what do you do? Okay, sure. Well, Essencia is a comprehensive homeless services nonprofit. We are headquartered in Glendale, California not Arizona. We help people experiencing homelessness navigate everything from street outreach and engagement. Uh, we have an emergency shelter, 45 beds here in the city of Glendale. We offer case management from point of entry to getting into housing and then staying in housing, the retention piece. We offer, at our expense, trauma-informed clinical services Psych psychiatric services through telehealth, financial literacy classes, transportation assistance. We've recently added occupational therapy to our, our array of services. We help people with um, you know re any kind of recovery, whether it's addiction or mental health or overcoming um, domestic or intimate partner violence. We have provide linkages to employment benefits, we operate according to like a harm reduction and housing first models. We also have people who specifically go out and find landlords or property owners that are willing to rent to our clients. They're called housing location navigators. And so the end game here is to get people into permanent housing and connect them to primary health care. Um, con and a connection to services in the greater community, and then we provide that retention piece. So we guide and counsel some, and we take others by the hand and walk them through the entire process, you know, get to get them into housing, whatever it takes, Vic. That's what we do. And that's a lot. I mean, comprehensive is, is the word. It's A yes. to Z, essentially, for, for the unhoused, uh, about 50,000 unhoused in L.A., city of L.A., about 70,000 unhoused in LA County. Uh, it's a it's a lot, it's a very overwhelming number. And uh, it's not just a city problem, a regional problem, it's really a national problem. We just happen to be the state that uh, holds 50% of the nation's unhoused. And there are a lot of reasons um, for that that we'll get into. If you're just joining us, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening uh, to my interview with Dr. Laura Duncan, who is the Executive Director of Ascensia, uh, headquartered in Glendale, and Ascensia's 
mission is lifting people out of homelessness, one person, one family at a time. It, you know, LA, we're, we're kind of in a, an interesting sort of place in Los Angeles. We, um, it's sort of, if it's safe to say post COVID recovery, but at the same time, last year, we had a very important uh, election. There was a lot of uh, uh, progressive uh, movement uh, and such. Uh, so LA is sort of in this sort of fast, fast evolving space. What's your general perspective about the state of LA, um, where we are now and where we're headed? Well, as you just mentioned, California makes up 12% of the nation's total population and anywhere from, you I see numbers ranging from 30 to 50% of the unhoused population, depending on what, what you read, but it's a lot in, in any event. Um, we have the highest homelessness rate and it has increased by about 45% in the last, oh, seven years. Um, Los Angeles County contains the largest slice of this unfortunate crisis, which we know. And in 2020, it was over 66,000 people. And with the measures that you know were put in place during the last administration with Measure H and, and um, the push to build more affordable housing, there was a lot of money being collected and spent to end the homelessness crisis. So people are questioning why if we've been spending all this money and we've been paying, you know, higher taxes, et cetera, why isn't it working? Why is it getting worse? And what I say to that is that it is working if we, and we need to continue and we need to do even more. My hope is that we're going to see a shift to, we will, and we did in the coming years. In 2020, for example, it was determined that for every 207 people that were being housed in LA County, 227 were falling into homelessness. So the ship was was taking on water. But can can you imagine what the crisis would look like today if we hadn't been housing all of those people all this time? Right. Even though the number of people falling in was greater. So today we've got over 69,000 people in house. We and we have to do more to prevent a worsening crisis and make serious headway to significantly reduce homelessness. There are no shortcuts or magical happenings here. Right. Absolutely. If you're just joining us, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening uh, to my interview with Dr. Laura Duncan, who is the executive director of Ascensia, uh, headquartered in Glendale. And Ascensia's mission is lifting people out of homelessness, one person, one family at a time. Mayor Karen Bass has made uh, homelessness uh, and tackling it her number one priority. She's been very aggressive uh, in dealing with it, done a lot of great stuff already. Is this really uh, exciting for Ascensia to see this happen? Well, yes, but I want to I want to say this. Uh, I will be excited when Ascensia and other homeless service providers can shrink back down in size because that's going to mean the the homeless numbers are decreasing. You know, and I'm realistic about the fact that while there has been um, a 62 percent increase in the number of shelter beds, you know, in the last four years, 
there still aren't enough for everyone in need and nor is there enough available affordable housing, which is one of the key reasons we have this crisis. With respect to Mayor Bass, I am feeling more hopeful than I have for a long time. Um, I'm hopeful because during the pandemic, the policies and funding that became available were really helpful in getting the most vulnerable folks into motels and interim shelters, which protects them from all the damaging effects exposure has on their health, their safety, and their mental health. So inside SAFE, with you know Mayor Bass's plan, is seeking to do something very similar by getting more people out of the encampments and into the safety of motels or other interim housing sites, while the county and the city you know can invest in and build more affordable housing so people can move there and remain there for the long term. Understand it's controversial, but having six unhoused people die on the streets every day in LA County is unacceptable. And I will take controversial over unacceptable every time. For me, there's no controversy. It is the right thing to do in this moment and it's long overdue. Fair, that's that, exactly. You've sort of uh, answered my next question to a degree, but let me ask you. So we've we've heard a lot about the cause of homelessness and the disintegration of middle class, inflation, lack of living wages, lack of affordable housing, substance abuse, and mental illness. And by no means uh, uh, making substance abuse or mental illness uh, stigma or stigmatize them, but just a reality. Um, what is your take on it? All right, you're getting me started now. <laughs> <laughs> My take is that there is merit to all of this, except that based on what I've seen and what the literature shows, um, I can't ascribe to the belief that mental illness and substance abuse necessarily lead to homelessness. It's more often the other way around. My take on it is that the more we try to cut people off, exclude them and marginalize them, the worse the crisis will become. The issue of homelessness and the root causes of it are intricate and complex. And they date back to 1914 for Skid Row and to the Great Depression and World War I when the housing supply could not keep up with the county's population growth. There are many contributing factors, but on a macro level, Los Angeles did not keep up with building enough affordable housing. Instead, they were favoring the building of freeways to, to get to the develop, developed and developing suburbs. And, and this patchwork mental health services that were you know, provided without follow-up care over multiple decades hasn't worked. So as a result, the number of people that are unhoused now has them this problem spilling out and over beyond the skin, skid row boundaries. So people are concerned at this point because it's now impacting them more directly. Like I mentioned, uh, homelessness and the associated suffering is nothing new. It is, however, visible to uh, most everyone now. And I would encourage anyone who wants to have a better understanding of the origins of and systemic maintenance of homelessness in LA County to read an article on the LIST website, it's, the article is called Understanding LA's Homelessness Issues. It's written by Ethan Ward. And it was first published in 2021. It was updated last year. But it really does an excellent job of explaining the origins of Skid Row, discriminatory practices and policies, the relationship between poverty and the unhoused, how incarceration has served as a substitute for mental health treatment, which of course leads to the vicious cycle of homelessness being criminalized you know, jail, um, it, it 
and further barriers to housing. And uh, as a result, here's, you know, here's the website. It's laist.com and then hashtag news, hashtag housing dash homelessness, hashtag understanding dash homelessness, and then city Los Angeles. There's another great article on the UCLA Luskin website newsroom. And, um, it, you know, I could tell you that thoughts like they all just need to get a job is not the answer. As many folks are working mm -hmm. with in recent years are working two jobs while going to school and are raising family and they still can't afford housing here. I mean, um, last year, Huffington Post had an article. The writer did a study and said that if you make minimum wage in any of the 50 states, you cannot afford a one-bedroom apartment. So, you know, even if you make, if you, you know, LA County, I mean, our, the median price of a one-bedroom apartment is about 2300 Just imagine how much someone has to make just, just to pay rent. Forget about utilities and all other expenses. So, um we they have to we, work three or four minimum wage jobs. How can they do that? They, yeah. When do they sleep? Exactly. Exactly. And I like that you you made you made the point about mental illness and substance abuse. Thank you for that. If you're just joining us, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening uh, to my interview with Dr. Laura Duncan, who is the executive director of Ascensia, uh, headquartered in Glendale, and Ascensia's mission is lifting people out of homelessness, one person, one family at a time. Um, you have been with Ascensia since 2014, and the agency has thrived under your leadership since you've been the executive director since 2018. Um, it's grown 25%. Um, your footprint has expanded quite a bit, and you serve more Angelinos. So having said this, you know, your accomplishments, what now keeps you up at night? Well, thank you for your kind words, Vic. Actually, Ascensia has grown by almost 67% to date. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I stand corrected. Yeah. Thank you for that. We, we have continued expansion in the works as we speak. Um, first of all, I want to give any credit for making this happen to, to my incredible team of employees and volunteers um, at Ascensia. They're not mine, they're Ascensia's. I mean, you know, they're the engine that propels us forward. It's not just me having the ideas and getting contacted. It's It's a team of us. So we're, as we speak, we're, we're, we've had other cities contacting us saying, hey, can you come over here or other parts of the county? Can you come over here and replicate what you're doing and uh -huh. help us? And so that's kind of, so they're saying, here's some, some funding. We're hiring an, a new separate team. We're putting them under proven demonstrated leaders that can cultivate the, and, and even sometimes we, you know, do trainings with existing staff that have the know-how. And so we've been really successful with this model. We're not replicating everything we do everywhere, but um, you know what we're doing. We, you, as you heard at the beginning, it's very comprehensive. So we're doing some of all of that in other places, you know. And then um, as far as the what keeps me up at night, well, it's it's always kind of been the same thing, except for a minute it was the coronavirus. But thank goodness I'm not that right. anymore. Not so much. But 
you know, it, it's going to probably sound kind of, I don't know, corny or obvious, but it's the truth. When I go to bed at night in my nice, warm, clean, safe house and my bed, and it's raining and cold or it's hotter than heck, or even if it's a beautiful evening, I just, I think about everybody who's unhoused, not just in LA, but everywhere. And it just, it motivates me to just keep going and do more because it's, it's just hard to, I, I could say I can't stand it. It bothers me. It's not right. And so how do I cope with that? Well, I'm going to continue working at this even harder. Yeah, no, I, I get, I get it. I was, I was at the LA Community Alliance's food bank uh, this morning. They, um, you know, they took over uh, a huge parking lot in Hollywood, in East Hollywood, and it was a food bank that were giving food away. Uh, and I was there um, volunteering. And, you know, you see families with kids and all kinds of people that are there. They stand an hour, hour and a half in line just to kind of get some sort of groceries and canned food and this and that just breaks your heart. It is unfathomable. I'm going to say it. We are the wealthiest nation in the history of mankind. There has been no other nation more powerful or wealthy as the United States, as it is now, not Rome, nor Egypt, not the British empire, not right. France under Napoleon, none of it. And yet we have this issue. Um, we we can't be like Denmark or Norway or Finland. But anyways, we won't get into that. Um, tell us something good, some, some good news, something positive about what's happening. And, you know, you're more of an insider than I am, obviously, uh, on all of this. Okay. Um, well, since we're headquartered in Glendale, I will speak specifically about Glendale. Uh, in the two years leading up to the pandemic, while homelessness was drastically increasing throughout LA, most of LA County, and by as much as 50% in, in a neighboring comparable city, um, it was actually decreasing by as much as 30% one year and 7% another year before the pandemic hit in the city of Glendale. And why I'm telling you this is because it very clearly has to do with the fact that the city of Glendale invests in homeless services, and that makes a tremendous difference. Um, so yeah. that's why, I, you know, I'm constantly pounding my shoe on the table. We've got to do more. It it will work if we do all, all of the right things. Uh, you know, what's the alternative? You know, <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a good outcome for anyone because this is affecting everyone now. And that's what gets people's attention. Absolutely. Um, if you're just joining us, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening uh, to my interview with Dr. Laura Duncan, who is the Executive Director of Ascensia, uh, headquartered in Glendale. And Ascensia's mission is lifting people out of homelessness, one person, one family at a time. So, um, Laura, if I may... Uh, what question should I have asked you that I didn't, that I miss, or anything you just want to add? 
Sure, um, I do. Uh, I regularly hear people say that they want to help and they intend to become involved at some point, you know, in in particularly uh, about the homeless uh, situation and the crisis. So this crisis is now. And I, I ask people, you know, in a in a, a sincere way, well, what are you waiting for? Right. <laughs> what are you waiting for? And, and I think a lot of times what's what I hear is that they don't really know or they're not quite sure where or how to begin, but they want to do something. And mm -hmm. so whether it's with Ascensia or another homeless services provider, um, you know, the, the point is to take action now because it, it's the right time. And so for anyone in your audience who's listening and would like to volunteer their time and help, um, we want to extend a warm invitation to please consider what we call our guest chef program. All of the details can be found on our website under the volunteer section. And our website is Ascensia, CA, like California, dot org. Okay. And Ascensia is A-S-C-E-E-N-I-A and CA dot org. So Ascensia, California, dot org. Fantastic. You can get info, uh, get connected, uh, make an inquiry to become a volunteer and a lot more. I've been on your website. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for everything you're doing for the community. I think we are, we are in a, in an era of an upswing, you know, I, th I think, uh, up, well, uh, just cautiously, I think that we are, we've seen the worst and now we are coming out of that. Um, and you've been a big part of it. And Mayor Bass is a big part of it. And other organizations are doing what they can. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. If I may, I'd also like to mention that we are a presence um, outside of, of Glendale. We have been um, providing services and making a huge difference in the city of West Hollywood since 2016. And we're in the Los Angeles uh, City of Los Angeles, East Hollywood, and Los Feliz areas since 2020. We've been in Burbank since 2007, and we are all over the county through contracts with the Department of Health Services. And we just as we we sit here speaking, we're launching into uh, more of the, the riverbed area from Studio City all the way up to Reseda. That is where we're going next and quick, fast, in a hurry. So again, um, another way to reach us is at info at org, And that's, you know, um, an inquiry there will be directed to the right department for follow through. And so I, I want people to know that we're present throughout LA County and the areas I mentioned. If you're listening and you wanna get involved, just come, you know, contact us at headquarters and, uh, or any agency, like I said, in your area. And I'm sure they would all welcome you as warmly as we would. Fantastic. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate Thank it. You. I appreciate you very much, Vic. And well, I appreciate you uh, spending the time with, with us today here at Essentia. Likewise, likewise. And I uh, hope to chat with you again soon. Absolutely. Laura Duncan uh, from Essentia, Dr. Duncan, thank you very much for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning, sharing your knowledge, your experience, and your hope in gratitude. And I hope to chat with you again soon. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, 
without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.